0: Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. This episode will go live on the day of my birthday. And I'm asking you for a huge favor and a birthday gift. If you have been listening to this show, it really means a lot to me if you take a moment and write us an honest review in iTunes. Because the more reviews we'll get, we rank higher in iTunes. And it will help us to reach a broader audience. My One of the main missions of, of me having this podcast is to provide accurate sex education to as many people as possible. Because that's something that I haven't received as a child. And today we're going to talk about how I changed my personal negative schema around sex. So please, please join me in this effort around helping others who, do, who are struggling with their sex or they want to improve it with writing a review for this show. Today, I'm going to talk about, as I shared with you guys, how I changed my schema around sex and sexuality. I decided to do this episode because of an email I received. This is an email I got from Shelby a few weeks ago. She wrote, hello, Dr. Maoli. Can I start by saying I'm a huge fan of your podcast. Thank you so much for putting this resource out there for all of us to learn. I have gotten so much from you and your guests on the show. Thank you. I did have a little question for you that I was wondering if you could cover. Like yourself, I grew up in a very sex-negative culture where we didn't receive sexual education. You were supposed to wait for marriage to have sex. Masturbation, especially female, was disgusting. I got out of this culture and mindset a while ago but a lot of my friends and family have stayed. Many of my friends have now gotten married and are having sex that is at best unfulfilling and at worst painful. Certainly been there, I I know those people as well. I would love to have some helpful advice for them and I have told them a lot from your podcasts on desire, pain, and orgasm so far. Thank you so much, greatest gift. I was wondering if you could delve a little bit more into how you actually change your schema of sex. You have mentioned in a few episodes that it is unrealistic to expect signing a certificate to allow you suddenly feel positive and empowered about sex. I agree. So how does this transition actually occur? great question. This is a story that I hear over and over in my private practice. And that's why I thought it would be helpful to talk to you about my personal story and also what are some of the strategies and interventions that I teach clients to use to overcome these challenges. Because my story might not necessarily be applicable to you guys, depending on the context, background, the resources you have now, using the framework can be very helpful because that's something that's translatable to many people in different situations. I grew up in Iran, as many of you guys heard me talking about it in the past, I was born uh, right after Iranian Revolution, in the midst of Iran Iraq War. My family they were not religious. My mom is is a writer, was a writer. My dad is also a professional. He's he was he and he was a civil engineer, and he was a huge. Change for them, kind of shifting from this modern society to a Islamic environment. And that's not something that wasn't something that they grew up with. My mom and my father they grew up in very progressive families, but something about progressive families it doesn't mean that they were taught sex education or they had this wonderful trainings around sex and sexuality. It meant that. The negative sexual messages were more subtle than the one I received growing up. And uh, it was a really, really tough time for us because my mom was struggling with the very acute depression during those years because of what, what changes that she experienced as a writer in new environment and it was tough growing up. And needless to say that sex education wasn't in the forefront of their mind with me. And I think not received any education around sex ever from my family. I was a very, very curious child with zero supervision because my mom was really struggling and she wasn't present. So I was spending days and days in in our libraries in the house. We had several rooms filled with wonderful books. Pretty much whatever kind of books you wanted to read, you could have found it there. So (laughs) I started, I was an avid reader because that was the only thing I could do. And I always tell my husband that the biggest gift I got was literacy. And he thinks it's sad. I think it was wonderful. I started reading about all different books with sexual context, some appropriate, some (laughs) inappropriate. I read the book, which was based on the movie, *Graduate* when I was six or seven. And I was thinking, oh, Mrs. Robinson, she's just this evil person. And it's funny how your view changes as you grow up. So anyhow, long story short, I got, I, I was reading these like different books that wasn't age appropriate. And... They were having conflicting messages. There was no one telling me that these are not accurate. So, for example, one of the books that I read was a translation of the sex ed for new newlywed couples that was written, I think, in 1950s in Italy, and it was one of those undercover books that was published, like illegal books that was published, and um, it was talking about it was just the story of the couple that that they were in love. The woman stayed virgin until she was getting married. Her name was Sarah and Peter, and they discovered sex together during honeymoon, which was fantastic. I was like, oh, okay, this is great. Then until Peter saw Sarah climaxing, and things drastically changed, and he was not interested in her anymore. The biggest, I guess, the, the mistake she made was let him see her vulnerable, which is ridiculous. And then kind of like the message there was never show, never let your partner see you climaxing, never let the partner see you vulnerable. Long story short, Sarah and Peter got divorced um, because they were never recovered from Peter seeing her climax, which I know it sounds ridiculous, but then I was thinking, okay, mental note, never let a guy see you climax. So all of these kind of random messages I got was kind of like instilled in me. Paired with religious studies at school in Iran, religious studies are mandatory. So it's not something you, you go electively, like you're taking electively. Anyhow, and the, some of the messages there was, as Shelby was talking about, you have to wait till marriage for sex. Masturbation is a huge sin. and And then also, uh, having sexual thoughts are inappropriate. Good girls don't have sexual thoughts. And it was horrible in the sense that I, even before puberty, I, I was noticing sexual thoughts, sexual interest, desire, and I was feeling very, very shameful, guilty about them. I was feeling that, oh God, there's something wrong with me that I find self-estimulating, pleasurable, why I'm a pervert. And no one was around to say these are all natural. So I grew up with this kind of huge conflict in me that there is something drastically wrong with me because I have sexual desire. And I, I like sex. I'm curious about sex and I want to be a good girl. I always was studious. I always pull, I was trying to be polite and I wanted to be quote unquote model child to my family because my mom, if I was a model child, I was in too much trouble for my mom who was really struggling. And then I was, I didn't know what to do with this conflict and it was really, really painful for me growing up and not knowing where to ask these questions, not knowing uh, what to do. And I, and by age of sixteen and seventeen, these messages were, were instilled in me, and I was feeling, oh God, I'm a bad person that I have this desires and I have this wants, and if I share it with someone, uh, like Sarah in the Pete and Sarah story, people will will not want to be friend with me they don't want to be associating with me and I would lose partner then when i turned 17 i told my parents that i'm going to move to us and my dad was i remember i said like you have a too sensitive temperament to move there alone and i told him i'm leaving anyways and i'm grateful to him to be open minded enough that he shipped me (laughs) in a sense he sent me across the world to US and I moved here alone, which that's something I feel very proud of. And I started my new life and kind of in a new environment, new culture but the messages were still with me. So now I was this young adult in this new country um, and I was like spending time with friends and I started getting boyfriends and half of like, I would say like 80% of my sex education came from my boyfriends, which is ridiculous. Don't do that to your child. (laughs) And I was still feeling confused around sex and sexuality, similar to what Shelby was talking about. Because I was, I, I wanted to have sex. I was feeling guilty about it. I was re- virgin until my young adulthood. That's something I want to talk about later in future episodes about how to have sex as an for first time as an adult. And it was just like everything was so disappointing because not because of the partners I had. It was because of constant negative schema that was kind of like were unfolding every time I wanted to be intimate with someone. I was trying to not show vulnerability. I had this kind of subtle feeling of guilt and shame about my sexual desire. I was trying to hold back, but not too much. This ridiculous dance that many women are doing consciously and subconsciously. Anyhow, I, I was I was struggling with this for years and years, and I, I noticed that as I went to graduate school for psychology, As I learned about sex, I felt okay, this is not working for me. This is ridiculous. I'm not having a great time. It's not helpful for me to feel ashamed around my sex and sexuality. And it's just not fun to be with a partner that are kind of want to have sex, kind of they feel bad about it. It's not my partner's responsibility to validate my sexual needs and desires and up uh, saying that that's okay to have those. Especially, can you imagine like if guys that were my age, like, Late teens, early twenties. They don't. Some of them. They don't have the ability to validate their own needs and uh, thoughts and emotions. Uh, so it was overall. I used to have lots of mediocre relationships, and I genuinely believe for me it was coming from the place of not truly showing up in in a relationship because I was scared of my true sexuality. I was scared of the power it has, the meaning that it had for my partners. And I felt that was a huge barrier for also emotional intimacy. So it was around when I was like in mid twenties that I realized, okay, this is not working for me. I thought about, I learned about acceptance and commitment therapy. And uh, one of the big things about kind of an acceptance commitment therapy is values and uh, I thought about, okay, my values are compassion, justice, and adventure. And if I show up truly as myself in my sexual relationships, there's nothing that would have conflict with these values. This is not something that can change overnight. Sometimes we have awareness, cognition, around cognitive ability to see that this is not accurate, but emotionally, these things are very, very scary to change. So what happened around the same time for me is I ended a relationship with a person who was a wonderful person, lots of sexual challenges. And again, I I can take ownership of, big part of it was because of this conflict that I had around sex and my own sexual power. So I was fed up at this point, I went to this ski trip with a friend and a bunch of strangers. Like I didn't know any of them. It was like, maybe I, I went want friends acquaintance. So the, well, that was the closest person I knew and did that trip. I went with my sister. This guy opened the door. I felt, oh geez, did, <laughs> did he come from my uh, sexual dreams with this very, very intense black eyes again it seems like a warrior from old Iran and I was like oh god I want to have sex with him and I didn't know anyone in that beside my acquaintance in that ski trip or him and I was like oh god this this is he's so hot and the added benefit was like I don't know these people and he was, he was living in a place called Rancho Palos Verdes. For you guys who are not living in LA, it it was, it was somewhere that I'd never been before. <laughs> and I'm laughing because it's an interesting turn of a story. And I was like, okay, so it's perfect. I don't know him or his friends. He lives in a random part of LA back then I was living in West LA. We have zero mutual friend. So like let's just move forward with having this casual sexual relationship with this guy. And, and I was like, okay, so it's perfect. And he, and I thought, okay, it's going to be purely physical. Who cares what he thinks because I'm not going to see him ever again. And that's how, how that relationship started. And I thought, okay, this is purely sexual, never had a casual kind of like fuck buddy situation before And I was truly like showing up as my adventurous sexual self and like doing this kind of really fun, adventurous things around sex and sexuality. I wasn't worried about uh, how I would be perceived because in my mindset, first of all, I would not be in a relationship with a person like that. Because again, he was awesome, but I was always seeing myself in more kind of a relationship with someone that's kind of like more, kind of more coming from my background. So the person I'm talking about, he moved here when. He was very young to United States. He wasn't speaking Farsi for a few days after I was like insisted that like, okay, I, dude, <laughs> we're, we're both Iranian. We have to speak Farsi together. Anyhow. And then things were fantastic. And this, this was this adventurous, fun, fun, uh, sexual relationship he had. But in my mind, Going back to Pete and Sarah's story, that if someone sees you that sexually and that sexual context, the relation there would not, this will not morph into the relationship. So, four months into, five months into this casual relationship, he asked me, Oh, do you want to come to my graduation? I was like shocked. I was like, oh God, what is he talking about? No one would take a kind of sexual, casual hookup thing to their graduation. And then I went, like, I went and and then it morphed into the relationship, six years of relationship, and we got married. <laughs> and that's how I, I met my husband. That's my story of. How I met my husband. And now I live in that random town that I, I was like thinking, who leaves the Rancho Palos Verdes? I mean, now we moved like five miles away, four miles away, but very close to where he lived. And it was prof- so profound for me to think about all these years I bought into this ridiculous beliefs that were not even accurate. And it gave me this kind of the risk that I took, which might not be a risk to many of you guys because you, you you're having casual hookup sex. That, but for me, it was a huge risk that could have changed in this context. Truly paid off because now I'm with someone that I I have uh, tremendous chemistry and and also we had like this relationship was built on having great sex. So that's something that I can recreate. So it's just, it's so crazy to me to think about all, oh, I was almost getting married to these people that that were not able to uh, give me, we didn't have the same spark and I wasn't able to show up sexually. And how would that look like? And again, I'm so excited for how things unfolded for me and this is something I want for all of you guys to have wonderful exciting sexual relationships because because of how sexual things were early on I don't need to worry about what he perceives me now because he kind of knew what he would get himself into and even right now it's like he was telling me oh, I was I when I met you it was oh my god this girl is wild and how wonderful is that So I'm so grateful that I I had the opportunity to kind of examine and explore some of my own biases and I guess the the thought pattern that I have around sex and I was able to challenge it and find that they were inaccurate. But let's kind of dive into what can you do today to change that for yourself? Because I know it's a process. I want to give you guys some hands-on tool that you can implement for yourself. First thing I want you to do is really take a good like half an hour, 45 minutes to Assess your values. See, and values are are different than goals. Values are something that you feel very passionate about. And that's that's a legacy you want to leave. Goals are the things you want to achieve. Values is like direction that you're striving toward, like a true north. You will never able to reach north, but that's a direction that you can focus to go. One way to kind of assess the value work, that's the work I always do with my clients in my therapy, is that kind of think about when you pass away, what what do you want people to say in your funeral? As I shared with many of you guys, I lost a client, like she passed away suddenly due to horrible accident, nothing related to her mental health. But it really reminded me that life is so precious and fragile. So what do you want people say about about you and the the life that you lived? For me, as I share with you, that it was justice, compassion, adventure. I want people to say uh, she was a kind person, she was able to, uh, she was compassionate, and also she lived a very exciting, adventurous life. And kind of having awesome sex was kind of tied to an adventure. I didn't care if you were people saying that. Well, she was a she was a really good Muslim, or she didn't have wonderful sex. <laughs> no one says that. But again, why then? Why are we worried about how are we showing up sexually? And I want you to really take a moment to maybe identify two or three values that you have, things that are really, really important for you. And kind of take a look at that. If if the way you're sh- showing up, you want to show up sexually, has any conflict with their value, with these values. And I always talk to my clients when they say, you know, is this bad? I said, there's no good or bad. It's just a matter of whether this action, this thing you're doing, are they congruent with your values or against their, your values? Because all the pain we're feeling, the guilt and shame, it could be because the steps we're taking are against our values. If if how you want to show up sexually is congruent with your values and it's just not they don't have any conflicts, then you know that there's nothing wrong with that. Discomfort that you are feeling is just a byproduct of this poisonous way that our society kind of wants us to think have this negative thoughts about sex and sexuality. Then if you choose to kind of thinking okay this is this does not have any conflict with my values and i want you to think about the messages you you're kind of like hearing the stories that you're hearing in your mind around sex and sexuality we picked up many of these messages from sex and sexuality from our culture it could be from even our parents could be from the books that we read movies that we saw It's really, really important to identify those messages. And I tell clients that I want you guys to kind of start with kind of writing down these messages. You're seeing two people having sex on TV. There is this story that pops in your mind, perhaps that, look at this woman, she's a slut. Could be anything, or uh, good girls—they don't do that. Or I want that. I want you to write down all of those stories that pops in your head around sex and sexuality, specifically negative one. And kind of see that for yourself. I want you to see what is it connected to. What is the main message that you have and you internalize around sex and sexuality? Is it that good girls they don't have sex? For me, it was. If you're showing up sexually in a relationships, you will not be able to find a good committed relationship because no one no one wants a whore pretty much in it <laughs> in a nutshell. And that's what we call intermediate beliefs. When we have these internal messages in our mind we create these stories and rules around that. If I do this, therefore I'm able to get that. And these rules are completely, could be made up and inaccurate. In my case, it was inaccurate because the first relationship that I showed up truly sexual in was a relationship that I'm in for past 10 years and it turned to marriage. So I want to identify that what are some of the rules that you created around this, around sex and sexuality that is impacting your life? One other thing could be like, you know, sex, you have to In order to have fulfilling uh, sexual relationship, you need to wait for marriage. So, and kind of like challenge that intermediate beliefs. These are the rules that we have in in order for us to see that if these rules are accurate or not, we have to experiment with them. So, I want you to kind of like identify the rules that you're feeling, kind of like you're, you're noticing based on this automatic thoughts and stories that you cultivated and experiment with that. For example, for me, the experimentation was kind of having this casual hookup sex and see how would things unfold. Or perhaps for you could be depending on uh, what is the messages, or kind of could be okay if I show up more sexually with my partner, then our relationship get worse. Could be a number of different things. Or if I show vulnerability during sex, he will he will lose interest may or may not be true in your reality because I'm not part of your life. But these beliefs that appear to be very strong, they are often or not as accurate as you would think. So I encourage you to experiment with them and gather data like a scientist that, well, I, I flirted with this person and I showed up like sexually and this happened. And I really want you guys to gather enough data to see if these are accurate thoughts or or beliefs, or these are just stories that we tell ourselves. And as you are showing up more sexually, this data within that I talk about with my clients is going to get loud because the purpose of this dictator is to make sure you are functioning based on the schema that stories you had from past. And- I want you guys to challenge that dictator by doing things the way that you want to do, and based on your values and the what the ways you want to show up sexually, just not giving into that dictator within. The way I manage my dictator, which is a feels like at times she's hundred years old, a woman with hijab very conservative and thinks I'm going to hell, <laughs> is that I'm doing a strategy which calls alternative rebellion. It's from dialectical behavior therapy. It's like doing the opposite thing that that this, this story tells you, this dictator tells you. So at times it tells me, for example, and it still is present. It gets more quiet as you're working on it, but it's going to be, be present for you if... If this is something that you struggle all your life and you want to change it in your 30s and 40s and 50s, there's never like it's not late for change anytime. Anyhow, then what I do is I do the opposite. For example, like he was telling me, she was telling me the this dictator that, you know, sex therapy is not something a respectable psychologist with a PhD would do. And this podcast is a product of my alternative rebellion, kind of act, acting. Uh, I was thinking, okay, so if, if that's what my alternative rebellion, this is something that the dictator says, I'll go ahead and do a podcast and I broadcast to the world that I do this. Or even in the small ways that, for example, when I'm wearing a clothing for a party and I want to go and like I hear this dictator saying that, oh my God, who are you? Are you a 15 year old stripper? Like, why are you not covering yourself? And I purposely choose another dress with a lower cleavage because I, I don't want to be a, a slave to this dictator. And I want you to do this. It doesn't mean that you're going to be constantly doing opposite things, but it means that you will try to do maybe a slightly different version, like showing a slightly different version of you. And that's where I want you to start. Slightly different version of you, meaning that if you are trying to suppress the sexual thoughts, then I would kind of like alternative rebellion would be kind of be really curious about it and write them out and see what are the stories or writing your own erotica, kind of thinking, what are the, some of the stories that are present for you? Or it could be, uh, you know, if, if I initiate sex with my partner, then he would think or she would think I'm a whore. And kind of maybe then start with kind of very overt, flirtatious conversation and see what get out of what, what would happen because of it. The other piece is really important, and that is the last piece that I wanted to share with you guys that it's so important to surround yourself with a supportive tribe. And I know that if you grew up in a conservative community, you're surrounded by conservative people, but thanks to internet. We all can surround ourselves with sex positive people. I I follow a bunch of sex educators, sex therapists, other podcasters who are have positive sex messages in Instagram in social media. Uh, you can join different groups if you are into fetishes, if you are into different sexual things. There are groups and supports and everywhere. So uh, when I open my Instagram, I get surrounded by images and stories and messages from other individuals who they think like me. Because when you are trying to change things, it can feel lonely and it can be hard. So that's why I want you to make sure that you have this good tribe that you gather around yourself that will support you around this. Anyhow, that was my personal story that I I wanted to share with you guys. I hope you find it helpful. Please, please, if you have a moment, send us your reviews and iTunes. All right, I love you guys. Thank you for listening to this show and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.